Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. Just have to pause for long enough. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take my words and shape them only after your own will. Help us to step in line with your divine purposes for forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get um, deeply stuck in today's passage, I've got a question for you. When was the last kind of situation where you got really stuck? This is uh, Tom, our son, and this was when he was, um, what's the new number for lower six? So doing your first year of your A-levels. I don't know the numbers, sorry, too old. Sorry? 12, excellent, thank you. This was when he was in year 12 on his way to school. The car that he was traveling in is just behind him, and it has a flat because he drove it through that pothole that was filled with water. Now, we just moved house for me to take up my curacy. Um, so we were living in High Wycombe, and he was commuting every day to his school. He stayed in the same school in Northwood. And on that particular morning, because he was still learning and getting more confident as a driver, he hadn't realized that when there's a puddle, that normally means there's a hole in the road. And sometimes those holes can be quite deep. So he was well and truly stuck. And do you know what? It wasn't just a puncture that was slowly. It was a full-on flat. Um, Thankfully, a few months earlier, my retired policeman father had taken it upon himself to do, and now you're responsible for the car lecture. Anyone had one of those ever? Anyone given one of those? Oh, not yet. Oh, yes, one. Okay, so the lecture goes something like this, and bear in mind my dad's a retired policeman. Uh, these are the things you need to have. So Tom got loaded up with virtually a paramedic's first aid kit. I'm sure half of what he was given by my dad, he couldn't legally probably used on someone. He was given one of those warning tri triangles so you could put it out when you needed to warn traffic behind you. A lovely high-vis jacket in his boot. And um, yes, this is my dad. He is the living example of the slogan, be prepared. So whenever we go away on holiday, there's kind of like an entire suitcase devoted to being prepared. Um, Tom also got a lesson on how to change a tyre safely. Now, I have to say, grandparents in the shape of these are a huge blessing, and we're blessed still to have four of them. Um, and Tom was able to extract himself from being stuck. Getting unstuck in Tom's case required him to remember some carefully handed down verbal lessons from my grandpa. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We're going to get ourselves unstuck with forgiveness 
by extracting these carefully handed down verbal stories of scripture. They've been loved and remembered and handed down from generation to generation until they were written. And today we're looking about one about forgiveness. So what carefully shared lesson is Jesus trying to help us unpack today? In what ways do you think the people in our passage might be stuck? Who's stuck in our reading? If you need to turn to it, by all means, please do open your Bibles. We're on chapter 9 of Matthew, so we're continuing in that journey of Matthew. Who's stuck? Well, the man on the mat, he's pretty stuck, isn't he? He's not going anywhere in a hurry. No magic mobility electric scooters in those days. So he's only going where he's taken. Then I wonder also if our religious scholars, our religious teachers of the law, they seem to be stuck. They're pretty stuck on what they see as Jesus' blasphemy. They're stuck in critique rather than in witness of the divine purpose that's being fulfilled in front of them. They don't have the capacity to unlock what's going on. And I sometimes wonder if we're a bit like that with forgiveness. We sometimes get stuck on one aspect of forgiveness and we're unable to connect or unlock with the huge depth and breadth of Christ's grace in forgiveness. So I wonder, when it comes to forgiveness, where do you get stuck? Forgiveness is a complex topic and in one sermon I'm not going to count Um, cover the breadth of it. But there are a few um, amazing books in the atrium. I've nicked the only copies of these four books. But there's some that are talking about forgiveness following trauma. And that's this book. And there's one from Greta Randall, which is beautifully called Forgiving the Impossible, From Abuse to Freedom and Hope. Because forgiving is complicated. This is probably my go-to book when it comes to forgiveness because it reflects my character and my struggles with forgiveness. It's by R.T. Kendall and it's called Totally Forgiving Ourselves. Anyone else get stuck in the same place as me? God forgives you but you can't forgive yourself. This might be helpful. And then um, one of our colleagues in the atrium has read this recently. Forgiveness, finding peace and moving forward when life really hurts. Finding peace and moving forward when life really hurts. If you want to dig a bit deeper, can I commend those books to you? They might be a useful way of unpacking further from this sermon. You see, we all get stuck in different places when it comes to forgiveness. Maybe it's we can't forgive someone else. Maybe it's because the pain that they've caused us holds us so tightly that we get stuck. Do we get stuck in the why of forgiveness? Why did they hurt me like that? Or can we not just forgive God because we feel like in our mind something he's allowed to happen was just not right? Or as I said earlier, my problem, which is when God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. That's where I get stuck so often. Because I hold back the liberty of God's forgiveness for me. 
by not forgiving myself. He's already done the hard work, but I'm just getting in the way. And there are so many different places we can get stuck. But some of the key parts of this story relate to each of those ways of getting stuck. And I wonder if it might help us unpack what forgiveness means. Because Matthew's central point of his story is that Jesus is divine. Earlier on in Matthew, Matthew has illustrated that Jesus wields God's power. And we see as we turn the pages of Matthew how that power looks. In chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, we see Jesus wielding God's power over nature. And if you turn a bit further on in that passage, verses 28 to 34 show Jesus wielding God's power over the demonic. Now Jesus has moved on to making the point that Jesus has the power to forgive sins, a power that's deeply connected with God's divine nature. We see earlier in Matthew 6, if you want to turn to verses 14 and 15 and follow this with me, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. And in this healing act, Jesus is on a mission to show the power of the Father's forgiveness. Jesus wields this divine power and recognizes from these comments earlier in chapter 6 that it's his Father's power that he's using. These paralyzed men's friends could have judged. After all, in those days, it was common to think that if somebody was suffering in any way or unwell, that that was a consequence of their sin. They were suffering because they'd sinned in some way or a generation beyond them had sinned. There was a really tight connection between the minds of the people there of my personal sin outworks in my suffering or a generation on from me, those who had sinned uh, then outwork in physical suffering. It was a common view. But this man's friends brought them to Jesus. They brought them, him, them, his, their friend to Jesus because they had faith for a better outcome for their friend. And so we're reminded not to judge by those verses in Luke chapter 6, and rightly so, because if we start judging whether somebody's illness is a consequence of their sin, we're treading on divine territory. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And don't we just need that Holy Spirit when it comes to forgiveness? It's not an easy path to travel lightly in the world when it comes to forgiveness. 
so often what gets us stuck is not the breadth and the depth and the capacity of God to forgive. It's our desire and our will to see that forgiveness released for ourselves and for others. For that forgiveness to stick, we need the blessing of the Holy Spirit released in our lives. So what about our man stuck on his mat? He's dependent on his friends just to get into Christ's presence. But we know that the power of God doesn't need physical presence in order to work. For those of you who were here last week, we looked at the story of the healing of the centurion's servant. This man didn't need to be brought to Jesus to be healed, to be freed from his sins, to become whole. But actually, just like the centurion, Jesus is wowed by the reaction of the friends. He's wowed by their faith. That presence isn't needed, but it's given. I wonder if this man's friends had faith for him to be physically healed or whether working in that culture, whether they had faith for forgiveness. What were they asking Jesus for? What did they have faith for? But regardless of what they asked for or what they had in their hearts, Jesus jumps straight to forgiveness for this man and says, take heart. Take heart. What a beautiful thing to say. Your sins are forgiven. Through divine power, inward healing is released in this man's life. And that inward healing is forgiveness. We also see that the physical healing follows. This man's suffering is released. And I wonder if in the face of physical suffering or suffering generally around us, we're sometimes looking for a cause and thereby adding our own thoughts and our own opinions rather than looking for the divine purpose that arises. When you think of suffering so often, um, is anyone in the congregation a fixer? Does anyone like resolving things? Does anyone like solving problems for the people around us? When we see suffering, we want to try and bring a solution. We grapple with the why. Why is this person suffering? I mean, we go there with a good heart, right? Because we want to see them free and released. But we get stuck on the why. And we want to try and help and fix them. So that we can see people thrive. But I think sometimes that's a little bit of a problem of perspective. From their perspective, these friends of this gentleman who needed healing... They can see the awe, the power, the witness, and the wonder of forgiveness. They've grasped the divine purpose behind this healing. But our scholars, they're still stuck, aren't they? They're stuck. They're wondering why on earth, why on earth does Jesus think it's okay to heal? In verse 4, we hear their words. Jesus says to them, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? 
Jesus' call is way above and beyond the mind of these scholars. Jesus knows that God can forgive sin. And the point of Matthew's emphasis on Jesus' divinity is so that they know that Jesus can forgive. These scholars think that God's authority is being usurped or in some way blasphemed. And they're stuck looking for the why and the how of what's happening. They fail to see the beauty in front of their noses, the divine purpose that's unfolding before them. If their understanding was only that the sick get better when they receive forgiveness, this healing reveals to them Jesus' power not only to heal, but also to forgive. It's evidence of his divine authority and divine purpose. There's something about that divine authority and the divine purpose that is unleashed, unleashed in us because we're given free will as a beautiful gift. It releases our capacity to rejoice with awe as the crowds did on that day we see in verse 8 over the freedom that this forgiveness brings. In a way, the beauty of this story is the inner healing of Christ's forgiveness of sin. But the beauty of it is that it's mirrored by an outward reality of the healing of this man's body. I wonder if our ability to think about forgiveness becomes tricky because free will means that we can get stuck in looking for causes, the hows, the whys of the pain and the suffering. It might be like me that you struggle to accept it even when God forgives you or that you don't know how to forgive someone who's pained you. Sometimes in our thoughts and our actions and in our mental searching for forgiveness, in our desire to try and find solutions, we try and tell God what's right for him to forgive. We tell God what's right for him to forgive. Anybody else ever done that? It's not right for you to forgive me. What I did was so bad. I'm telling God that he can't forgive me. Or I'm telling God that what somebody did to somebody else was so bad that it can't be forgiven. The better way to engage with forgiveness in the consequence of this passage is to hear Jesus' desire, his heart behind forgiveness. He wants each person to know and to see the power and the freedom of forgiveness. So he invites us from this passage, to pick up our mat, whatever the places that we're stuck with forgiveness, and walk with Jesus in liberty and grace, just as that verse 2 says in our passage, take heart, God is close in the person of Jesus, longing to release us from the places where we get stuck. Jesus is there to see you step into the freedom of forgiveness. 
And he invites us to pick up our mat, literally, and walk away from those issues where we get trapped in forgiveness. So I wonder if you'd like to, maybe you could close your eyes for a minute and I'm going to pray for us. It may be that you want to hold out your hands as I pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Lord Jesus, you are the bringer of liberty. You are the perfecter of grace. Where we might be stuck around an aspect of forgiveness, you invite us to pick up our mat and to step forwards in your love. Lord, help us to unlike the scholars, to turn away from those evil thoughts where we can't forgive or won't forgive and instead take heart. Help us to see your divine purpose in releasing forgiveness and give us open hands and open hearts to receive your forgiveness for ourselves to see forgiveness released in others. Let's just take a minute to wait on God's Holy Spirit. It might be that you really grapple with this topic and just need to sit in Christ's presence for a while to receive that divine forgiveness for yourself or for somebody else. Come, Spirit of God. Equip us to walk in your liberty and to stand in your hope. Amen. Amen.